Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Phoebe Wells with Clearance Jobs, and this is the first in a four-part series highlighting the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. On today's episode, we hear from CISA's Associate Director of Vulnerability Management, Sandy Rodeski. Sandy's career is paved by groundbreaking and she got her start serving our country. I joined the United States Air Force, and my time serving my country, I learned you know, the basic technical skills you need to learn in information technology, and I really fell in love with it. You know, I also got to serve my country in time of war, and that gave me a lot of skills, leadership skills, you know, opportunity to learn how to lead people, teams. And from there, I became an analyst focused on cyber defense. For about a good decade, ran cyber defense teams for the Department of Defense, securing networks all, all, all across the globe for the warfighter on, on the Navy fleet, and had an opportunity to grow into a leadership position. And from there, I saw an opportunity to do it from the homeland defense angle and uh, really taking part in being part of America's cyber defense agency. And the rest is history. I applied and got selected. and made the jump from DOD to DHS. Veterans make up 40% of CISA's workforce, a statistic you'll hear more about in future episodes. But as Sandy explains, the qualities veterans leave the military with are coveted at CISA. So much of what we do is not just the technical side of things. It's planning, it's decision-making, leadership, communication, a military and experience in the military and that diverse opportunity to serve your country really gives a little bit more passion and sense of urgency in, in what we're doing every day when we apply the, the threat to what we do in our day-to-day mission here at CISA. Throughout her career, she's broken through a lot of glass ceilings, noting that 15 years ago, she didn't have many women colleagues in cyber. But today, the number of women working in cyber is growing, resulting in a diversity of thought desperately needed to address global challenges. Today, we are so lucky, and that diversity of thought and experience, uh, it's a force multiplier in solving these complex problems, especially in our team in, in vulnerability management. We're looking at vulnerabilities and weaknesses at the hardware layer, software layer. We're looking at how do we detect these before the adversaries do, and how do we provide solutions to every single stakeholder out there from the weakest uh, in cybersecurity and the least knowledgeable about technology to more of those medium to large size corporations and federal agencies. So it's very important to have diversity included in our strategy and and that's really how we're gonna win this fight. CISA protects the critical infrastructure of the American people. And since the internet touches practically every aspect of our lives, it's their role to keep it secure. But what specific vulnerabilities is CISA looking for and where? The critical resources that we rely on today, transportation, planes, metro, our ability to have secure and safe voting, um, confidence in our voting systems, election security, the election community is a big focus for us. So those are just two examples, but I mean, you can think about anything really that's a, a critical resource for the American population. We have a role in defending it and 
in making sure that we're protecting it and proactive approaches. As Associate Director of Vulnerability Management, Sandy is an expert in defending the nation's critical infrastructure. After Sandy expanded on the work she and her team does on a daily basis, Clearance Jobs' Katie Keller couldn't hold back her shock and adoration of the responsibility that Sandy and her team carries. My subdivision falls into the cyber division within CISA, and I have a team that is comprised of about 240 federal civilians. We have an inherently operational function where you, you read the news or things happening day to day, a vulnerability is exposed and all of a sudden everyone's, you know, jumping to to try to patch and mitigate that vulnerability. Sometimes it's a zero day, sometimes we find out it's being used by an adversary and the adversary's targeting specific critical infrastructure or other. So I have a group that focuses on that operational side of responding and really doing targeted engagements to try to help stakeholders with mitigations. And then I have a team that goes out and does assessments. And so that team does a myriad of different types of assessments and that depends on the stakeholder, their maturity level, their ecosystem. Some are more focused on the operational technology side of the house, like energy sector and rail and those kinds of organizations. And then some are more focused on information technology and the kind of the typical IT environment. And we do state, local assessments. And when I say assessment, I kind of mean more like the pen testing type of thing where a team goes out, they assess what's vulnerable in the stakeholder environment, and they provide actionable recommendations that in most cases, they work with the stakeholder and resolve those right there before they leave the site. And then we have another level of assessing that really focuses on kind of the cybersecurity framework, which helps us to understand the breadth of the cyber risk across all of their stakeholders. And some of those are sector specific types of questions and surveys that the team does. I have another group that focuses on technology assurance and secure by design and security at scale. And so what they do is they are looking very left of boom, um, looking at technology and analyzing the hardware, the supply chain. They're looking at the software coding engineering practice and seeing where they can find more secure methodologies to work with the open source community or the technology manufacturers out there, the vendors that are developing um, the software to be more secure so that the stakeholders like the American population or businesses that are using these, these software vendors don't have to be as accountable. The, the accountability we're putting back on the provider providing the, the technology. And then we have a group that is focused on data and data analytics because we're really trying to understand where we should be placing our resources and where our biggest gaps are. And so that team um, is looking at trends across the federal civilian executive branch, trends across sectors, states, regions. They look at it from the vulnerability perspective and where we have specific vulnerabilities and weaknesses. They look at it from the stakeholder or the technology. Many different ways that we could look at the data that we're collecting and um, it's all used to help senior level decision makers and the stakeholders uh, know where resources should go, where they should be investing, and how our strategy should be adjusting to account for those risks. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And we, we put all of that together, so you know, we put all of that together so that we can synchronize all those operations and we can do things proactively, we can respond 
when something new happens and then we can always use the data to help inform how, how we should be adjusting. A lot of what her team does is standards and guidance. We have to work across a huge stakeholder base and partnerships, uh, so we can't do it alone. So what does right look like? And our team is the team that understands the vulnerabilities the best. We're the technical experts in all things weaknesses and vulnerabilities. So we are the ones look to to show people what right looks like on being secure and how to mitigate. And it's difficult. You're like, well, that's a lot. It is. It's a lot. And we do a lot to synchronize and make sure that what we're putting out is not contradictory. We work with a lot of other groups within CSD and CISA to carry out these functions. We're definitely not doing it alone. CISA's regional offices also serve as a vital partnership to the organization at large. We'll dive into the role they play in a future episode. Although there are more women in cyber than ever, CISA is strategically working to close the gender gap in cyber, and Sandy helps lead that charge. CISA is involved in many partnerships, but one I wanted to highlight was our Women in Cybersecurity Partnership. It creates an ability for us to meet women across the community that are new coming into the field, existing and wanting to support the nation and, and potentially come work at CISA. It's just expanding our opportunity even to inject scholarship opportunities early in the process to try to recruit women to come into CISA. And I think it's one of the more successful examples I could think of that, that we're just continuing to contribute heavily across CISA, women in CISA. A lot of my colleagues, myself, you know, we're all involved in, in that partnership particularly, and it's making a big difference. Over the past 20 years, technology has rapidly advanced. As Sandy puts it, cyber careers require agility and adaptability, skills that women inherently have. Women organically are very resilient, and we have a lot of diversity in what we've gone through in our lives that prepare us for these challenging scenarios in cyber. Cyber is just changing. I mean, if you think about it 20 years ago, the ecosystem was different, AI wasn't a thing, you know, we weren't all connected with our phones. It is so different today, and just based on my experience and all the women that I know, we are very adaptive, we're agile, we're creative, we can multitask, we're really good communicators. All of those skills are needed in cybersecurity, and I would welcome any conversation to try to sway more women to come into this field because we're, they're definitely needed. In addition to CISA's Women in Cybersecurity Partnership, Rodesky is also active in the Scholarships for Service program. That is one that I'm really active in and working across different Virginia universities in particular. Old Dominion is one that I actually go to quite frequently and sponsor several women actually in cybersecurity or in computer science programs to do internships here and potentially look at serving the nation in a federal position in the future. So that is a great program. It's not just limited to Virginia. There are several schools out there that have Center of Excellence cyber or computer science sponsored programs by NSA and DHS that fall into this category. And it's, it's one that I recommend that students, all students inquire about and to reach out to careers at CISA for an internship at CISA. While internships give students a leg up on their career, exposing them to a national security career early is crucial to the nation. It takes an investment on our part to have these interactions with the community. 
me in particular, I'm speaking at a conference at the end of September, which brings together all these Virginia schools and the community down there in Norfolk to do the outreach that we're getting that information out to all the students in our local areas, you know, making sure we're including the two-year colleges and the technical-focused uh, programs to try to draw in the interest as early as possible. So the earlier we get them in the track and have them do reoccurring internships, in particular, I'll give an example. We have three students that they're on their second internship in VM and coming back for a third in their master's program next year. And then, you know, we're molding them and working through the whole clearance process throughout that time so that they have those references and experiences and that it's just part of the natural evolution of them becoming a full-time employee once they graduate. So I think it's it's two-part. It's the communication and the outreach and then taking the time to do the mentorship and building that next generation as they're coming in to work with us. But CISA doesn't just look to colleges and universities to speak to the nation's youth. They are fully invested in the next generation. CISA has taken a strategic approach to focus on K through 12, not just on securing those environments, but also let's get the pipeline of cybersecurity talent in as early as possible. So we're doing a lot of academic programs where we're working with K through 12 organizations. The Girl Scouts is one that we partner with to, um, in particular for girls and um, STEM programs in various different partnerships that enable us to build that pipeline as early as possible. In addition to CISA's many partnerships and resources, they sponsor the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Careers and Studies, or NICS. It's a website that CISA sponsors that focuses on cybersecurity careers and education. It's a good resource hub for all candidates who, to go to to get started. We'll discuss more about NICS in future episodes. Technology and cybersecurity professionals have a plethora of options to choose from when looking for a place to build a career. And while it may be enticing to accept an offer from a flashy startup, do consider and really understand the benefits afforded to you should you choose to become a federal employee. If you're interested in serving your nation, you have a passion about serving, you know, working for the federal government is the place to be. It offers opportunity to try new things in a way where you have stability and you can have an entire career. Me, for example, I started in the military. I eventually became a, a defense contractor. Then I came back into government as a government civilian. I started as a small team lead, eventually became an executive doing big things like you know running a whole CIO portfolio and, and then eventually coming to CISA. That is just a, a myriad of many different pieces of cybersecurity and information technology, and it ranged from technical to leadership, some business-focused areas of like planning and budget and program management. I've gained all of those skills in a 25-year period also while serving and you know making an impact both on warfighters and preparing them and ensuring they had a, a safe environment to operate out of to conduct their missions and then here now for the nation and the public. And so I would say if you're looking to have an opportunity to build your career and have experiences and learn a myriad of different parts of the field, 
and you want stability at the same time and you want opportunity to grow, come to the federal government and come to CISA. And CISA in particular is such a unique agency. We're a young agency and we are at the cutting edge of cybersecurity from the technology standpoint. We are doing so many new things that you know not a lot of other agencies are getting to do and we're influencing both our industry partners and future changes in policy and statute. It is an amazing place to work. The culture is very welcoming and inclusive, and the opportunities to have a big impact are right here. Um, this is where, where it's at. Throughout the interview, Sandy consistently affirmed CISA is an amazing place to work. And with trailblazers like Sandy Rodesky leading the way, CISA continues to evolve and thrive. For more on CISA and all things security and defense, visit us over at clearancejobs.com.